0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docu series Black Twitter: A People's History. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter: A People's History is now streaming on Hulu.
1: Hi, I'm Gabby. Yell. Aisa Roscoe is my mom. She's filling in for Sam this month. All right, listen. Sharks
2: the show. Hey everybody, like Gabrielle said, I'm Aisha Roscoe, your host for It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm filling in for Sam, because he's on vacation. Happy weekend. Are you ready? Because I'm really ready. It's been a long, long week, y'all. So today on the show, we're talking sports. Specifically, all the news around Black female athletes, especially recent decisions made by the Olympics and other sports-governing bodies. This week, it all kind of came to a head. In particular, the news around Shakari Richardson. The star sprinter did not make the U.S. track and field Olympic team because she tested positive for THC, she said she used the drug to cope after she found out her mom died. I know what I'm supposed to do. Um, no, no I'm, I'm allowed not to do. And I still made that decision, but i um, not making an excuse or looking for any empathy in my case. But that was having. Richardson on the Today Show. Marijuana is legal in many states, including Oregon, where the Olympic trials for track and field were taking place. And last time I checked, marijuana cannot make you run faster. But THC is still considered a prohibited substance by the World Anti-Doping Agency, and they set the rules for the Olympics. Richardson's not the only black woman athlete being affected by some of these decisions being made lately. So I'm going to get into all of that and more with ESPN producer and multimedia journalist Tarika Foster-Brasby and the athletic writer and podcast host, Kavitha Davidson.
3: I'm Kavitha Davidson. Uh, so happy to be here and so happy to be here with Tarika and with
4: Aisha. Tarika Foster-Brasby. I am doing my best to be as filtered as
2: possible because I'm quite an unfiltered chick. We don't want anyone <laughs> on their best behavior. Uh-uh. Be on your, your, your worst employed behavior. Right. Got you. They started by telling me what the Olympic Committee ruling means for Richardson's future in sports.
3: It is absolutely punitive for something that doesn't really seem to be that big a deal to the rest of us. That being said, the rule is the rule. I do understand that. The rule needs to be changed. And it's just an unfortunate thing to me that this young woman is going to be the face of changing this rule. Like we are having this whole ass conversation right now about what the future of this is going to look like, what the World Anti-Doping Association is going to do built on the backs of this one woman not being able to compete in Tokyo. And I, I think that there is an injustice there. And,
2: and whatever happens with this, she will miss Tokyo. So that is some. she's young. She can come back. But there is a loss there for her. So if they do make changes, it's not going to help her right now. But Tarika, what is next for Shikari Richardson? What can she do now? Honestly, I love her attitude.
4: I love her accountability. I love that she owned it. Yeah. You know, when I think about in general, the weight that black women carry where I have to be perfect all the damn time. There is never any leeway for me to make a mistake, but the bounce back is so important. And I think that she does that. I also think it's fair to note that she's also going to have to repair her image and not any fault of her own. But because when you look at the headlines that were written when this story initially broke, it wasn't carried Richardson tested positive for marijuana it was Shakira Richardson tested positive for a banned substance.
3: She failed a drug test.
4: She failed. You know what I mean? Words mean things, people. And so when you read that and you're talking about athletics, no one's thinking marijuana. Yeah. We're thinking this girl's doping. Mm-hmm. She's taking steroids, some form of PED. Like all of these things, just automatically put a barrier on her that she didn't even ask for.
2: There were people on Twitter. I don't. I don't want to give this person. There were some random horrible person on twitter basically making that was trending because they were making these statements about shakari saying because she had long hair and nails and nails that she must have yeah. been Talk. uh doping
3: uh-huh I, marijuana is is gross yes, inducing well, as or you See my hair yes,
2: i also yes. must be on some steroids because my hair is very long right now okay <laughs>
4: And and comparing yes. that same person to Flojo. Yes. And I was like, clearly I don't know nothing about well, Flojo. Well, Shakari should
3: be compared to Flojo for all the right reasons, reasons. right? Yes. Yes. Reasons,
4: but, right. But I will say this too, though. I'm one of those people who made the comparison between this and Michael Phelps. And for a very different reason, I tweeted that she needs to be given the same amount of grace Mm. that Michael Phelps was given. And of course, I had people coming in my inbox and coming on my status like, hey, but he lost endorsements and it didn't happen during blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I get that. But Michael Phelps didn't make one mistake. He didn't make two mistakes. He made multiple mistakes, over and over. How mm-hmm. many drunk driving cases did he get? And what I mean by extending grace is, regardless of the mistakes that was made by Michael Phelps, he was continually given an opportunity to redeem himself, to represent America, to represent his family and himself on the largest stage in his sport. And he won gold for them. Mm-hmm. On top of that, I remember Fina responding by saying we understand the image that you know Michael Phelps has among our youth among young boys and we accept his apology yeah okay so does Shakiri get that same grace because too often women of color don't get the ability to make mistakes one time and we're done it's a wrap
3: and I think that's absolutely fair and I think that that also comes down to who it is incumbent on to show that empathy, right? Like it's the media and the governing bodies. And let's be very frank about this. The people who encompass the media and the governing bodies look like Michael Phelps more than they look like Shakari Richardson.
2: Bingo. <laughs> well, well, let's just, let's talk about the way that the public and the media often interact with Black women Athletes, Even for me as a casual observer, there always seems to be a difference in the reaction that you will get, whether it's someone who makes a mistake or someone who gets angry or the coverage of a black woman versus other athletes, whether it's Serena Williams, whether it's Naomi Osaka, whether it's Castor mm-hmm. Semenya, that there is a difference in the way um, that the public reacts and that the media portrays them. And so, Tariqa, talk a little bit about that weight that Black women athletes have to carry.
4: It's never-ending, and it's heavy, and it's exhausting. It, it's, it's interesting that we're having this discussion because, you know, people resonate more with who they feel like they build a connection mm-hmm. with. So part of that comes with marketability. The reason why some people love LeBron James the way they do is because they feel his story. You know, outside of him being an amazing athlete, we've seen him since he was 16 years old. We've seen where he comes from. We've seen his obstacles. So when it comes to female athletes, well, we don't always get an opportunity to be a part of that story. Why? Because that story is not often told. And when they are... Well, then there's the generalized stereotypes that comes along with dealing with women of color. Perfect example that I can think of is whenever Serena Williams is in a match Mm -hmm. and she's upset because she's losing and she wants to bounce her racket off the ground or whatever it is that she decides she wants to do. She's a competitor. No one, you know, you can use the word emotional. And for some reason to say Serena's emotional and angry resonates very differently yes. than we just saw Reggie Jackson crying because he lost, the Clippers lost to the Suns in the Western Conference Finals. And you know what happened for Reggie? It was just, how, oh, we feel so bad for that guy. Oh, he put his heart into it. Oh, he was really, really edging to win. Well, why is it that when Serena does that same thing and is given that same description, she's the angry black woman. She's a baby. Why? Why doesn't she have to act like this? How can we respect an athlete who acts like this? yeah these are the kinds of things that women have to deal with regularly. Sports is just a microcosm of the larger world we live in, and so the i I firmly believe the reason why we are given this particular outlook on especially black women and women of color in sports
2: is because this is the way they view us in everyday life. when we talk about you know sports being a microcosm of the rest of the world and the way black women in particular are treated, let's talk about hair. let's talk about soul caps and that decision that came down this week which is a big deal because and and for people that may not know um about what's going on with uh sole caps is that the international swimming federation basically banned these caps which are caps specifically made so that if a person has braids or locks or fro Um, that the cap would actually fit over their head. And the reasoning for that decision was that the International Swimming Federation said to the best of their knowledge, no athletes um, competing at international events had ever used or required the use of such caps, Um, which immediately said to me, well, who has been competing?
3: (laughs) That's a very fair question, Aisha. I the two things that FINA, um, the International Swimming Federation, said in their statement were particularly galling to me, was exactly what Aisha just said, which was, this hasn't been a problem before, so why is it a problem now? It's like, well... When someone says to you that this is a problem, your answer is, well, this hasn't been a problem before, then how does progress actually happen is is a question. The second thing that they said also was that these soul caps do not fit the natural form (laughs) of the head or the hair, which was
2: (laughs) so overtly racist. I can't even really comprehend that. Well, and, and, and Tarika, I, I will be honest. I don't know how to swim, but part of the reason why is because I never want to get my hair wet. and Because, you know, it's a big thing when you get your hair wet. My mom was like, when I had to go to a swimming birthday party, my mom was like, you got to wear a shower cap. You cannot get your hair wet. So... <laughs> outside i don't even understand why they having a a swimming thing there but like this is an issue right like what happens with your hair after you get it wet that maybe finna doesn't know about and, and on top of
4: that there is damage that is done to the texture of a of more kinky hair from the bleach um and i know that they are now reviewing mm-hmm. after the backlash but the fact is you have to think back to a former conversation we had with who is sitting in the rooms who are making these decisions Where are the people that look like us? And considering that this is an international organization, it's even larger than just the United States of America. This type of thinking is clearly worldwide and it affects people in more than just the United States of America. So I'm glad that they are considering reviewing this and bringing this back to the table. But I mean, honestly, this is just... The shape of my head, y'all.
2: And so, like, how do these specific decisions, how does that affect the rest of the, the sports world? Is this just an Olympics thing or is this a bigger issue? Um... So
3: Shakari specifically is very interesting when it comes to other sports, because this is one of the instances in which the Olympics is actually trying to catch up from behind. The NFL, MLB, the NBA and UFC, and this is very U.S. centric, I understand, but, um, you know, four major sports leagues that we have. Have said in the last couple of years that either they are no longer going to test for marijuana or they are no longer going to penalize their athletes for testing positive for marijuana. So it really does seem like, especially after the, you know, USA track and field statement, basically calling on WADA to overhaul its rules when it comes to banning pot, it really does seem like the other sports leagues are paving that way for the international governing bodies to be more compassionate and be more just frankly smart about its its pop policy its marijuana policy when it comes to swim caps i mean we do have actually a little bit of a precedent here i don't want to conflate these two issues but um you know when uh there, there, there was a time a couple of years ago when religious headgear, turbans or yarmulkes, were banned in competition in, um, in basketball and in soccer, and it took fairly it took it quite a few years to overhaul those rules. The reasoning at the time was that they there was a safety issue, and then Nike developed a quote unquote, safe version of religious headgear that Muslim women and practicing women could wear while also playing basketball. And then FIBA overturned its ban on that. And it was this kind of monumentous moment. So here we have a moment where, like that happened reverse, right? Like we have the soul cap before the rule was overturned. And now you have an international governing body having to play catch up, but there is precedent for overturning a ban like that,
2: Okay. And so we've been talking about women in sports and women who play sports, but there's also the women who report on sports. And and this week, um, we have uh, seen some backlash outcry, um, Happening in the sports reporting world, we learned that ESPN's Rachel Nichols, who is white, suggested her colleague Maria Taylor got an opportunity because she is black. And then in in journalism at large, not just sports journalism, we had Nicole Hannah-Jones, who I'm sure you saw, who refused tenure at UNC Chapel Hill after it was denied and then it was offered. You have this larger picture of black women in media dealing with media. Um, and it made me think about how all this year we've heard black girl magic, believe black women, you know, all of this. But who saves black women? Who protects black women? Ooh, and so that's that's what it had me me thinking about who is protecting black women who are doing all of these things. Black women? Yes. That's who's
4: protecting black women. The only answer to that question. (laughs) As sad as it is, that's what it is. Because what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to play the let's pit black men against black women and Mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. But what I will say is when the fire comes when it's time to really stand up and stand out, you hear more black female voices advocating for black female voices than you do any other race or culture of people. And that needs to change. It goes back to desire. You've gotta want to see women in these spaces. You've got to want to see women of color advance. And yeah, it's insulting, but at the same time, listen, I said this on a vlog two days ago, if I am a diversity hire, guess what? I earned that because I have sat here and watched how many times have white privilege worked for you. I have watched who, you know, get you into spaces that what, you know, would have never gotten you there. So if my skin finally got me something, I earned
2: it. Get in where you fit in. That's it. what I mean. That's my my th- get in where you fit in. The <laughs> idea that all these people in all these halls are there because they are just so smart and, and they earned it. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. I'm, like, I'm going to get in where I fit in. <laughs> this is a great conversation. We could obviously talk all, all day long and, and longer <laughs> about this. Coming up, I play our favorite game, Who Said That?, with Tarika and Kavita.
0: This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Support for
5: NPR and the following message come from Betterment, an automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares Betterment's philosophy on investing. No matter the amount
2: of money you have, it's always good to be invested. It's always good to start early. It's always good to save. And the power of being consistent in your habits
5: is really the path to long-term wealth. Get started at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. This week on NPR's Life Kit, financial independence. We want to help you work towards financial freedom,
4: wherever you're at. Concentrate right now on what you can do
2: to better your finances, to prepare for that next crisis. Not out of fear, but out of preparation. Listen now to the Life Kit podcast from NPR. This week, I'm joined by multimedia journalist and ESPN digital audio producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby, and the athletic writer and podcast host, Kavitha Davidson. All right. Are you two ready to play a game? Because I love playing a game when I'm in charge. (laughs) That is a word for you. It's called Who Said That? Ooh, saying that. Who said that? It's really easy. I'm going to read three quotes from this week's news, and you have to guess who said it or what it's about. You don't have to know the exact person. There are no prizes, um, so the stakes are low, but your dignity is at stake. Okay, so ready. And there's no buzzer. You just jump in. Okay, ready. Here's the first quote. Who am I to tell somebody to retire? I feel fine. I'm still able to play 18 holes in the morning and 18 holes in the afternoon and have a little libations for lunch. <laughs> is that Tom Brady? <laughs> Was that no, Tom Brady? Was that Aaron Rodgers? No, this is this is not a sports person. Oh. I'll tell you that. <laughs> This this gets a little. I'll give you. It's a little political. It's a little. It's political. a little political. Political. Okay. Think about who you might want okay. to retire. Who in politics might might you want to retire? Oh my God! Was that Donald you... Trump? <laughs> 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 no, this one might be a little hard. This this is where my head Oh, Because I was going to say Mitch McConnell, <laughs> a member of Congress, but it's not Mitch McConnell, a member of okay. Congress, <laughs> but not Mitch okay. McConnell. I tell you that one <laughs> this one was hard. It was House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn ah. and he was talking about the Supreme Court. They're t- people have been talking about Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. They yep. want him to retire so that Biden could put somebody else in in his place. Um and Jim you should Clyburn, just expand the court, but okay. <laughs> Jim Clyburn is like 80, I think, and he was just like, Who am I to tell somebody to says- retire? Look at me. I, I play 18 holes in the morning and in the afternoon, and I have some libations with lunch. <laughs> okay, so zero, zero, but now now we start fresh. We start fresh. Okay, okay this is the second quote. On the campaign trail, a group of young people met with my son and me. They asked, How do we know you're not like other politicians who make promises they don't keep? They said, We'll trust you if you promise to pierce your ear when you win the primary. Promise made. Promise kept. Oh, that There's is that is unfortunately our
3: next mayor of New York City, Eric Adams.
2: Eric Adams. And that so Eric Adams, who just won the Democratic He's a cop. primary. I'm just saying, he is a cop. He's <laughs> like, he a very former literally. police officer, right? Former police officer. Because he won the Democratic primary in New York City, the thought is that he is likely to be the next mayor, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. <laughs> Kavita's not looking happy about this I'm also ear. trying to maintain
3: my employment so okay
2: yes <laughs> he so apparently he pierced his ear to show that he will keep. The promises that he's made.
3: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see if he keeps the promises of not turning parked spaces into parking lots and actually, you know, trying to reform the police. But they're,
2: they're you know, we'll Ooh. see. Okay. Okay. Kavita got thoughts. She got thoughts. That's one. One. So one to Kavita. Okay. So now okay. it's one. We could get it tied. But I guess we'll make the last one worth two points so we'll have a winner. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, he got pierced at a Claire's. I didn't realize uh- this. <laughs> he went to the ball. <laughs> They're still Claire's. Did I get some jeans at the limited? Like, all right. So this is last one for all the marbles. This is it. We're all vaxxed. just in time for tubby hot summer. Who's ready to come out and play?
4: Oh my god! Is this a musician?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Is this is this a musician? Because I this feel is, like they do sing it's kind they do sing, but they're not exactly musicians. <laughs> Your children may know more about. Oh my them. God,
3: no, this was this was on Twitter. It's um what are they, they they like they dress up in the the um
4: I have no idea. Oh, they're
2: not they're furries. Like, yeah, they're not furry, but they're they're not from this world. They have televisions on their their tummy.
1: Teletubbies. 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 Teletubbies.
2: Yes. Okay. Kavitha is a winner. But yes, Teletubby. So the Teletubby. I don't think is- I'm
3: a winner if I know what Teletubby is, to be
6: honest.
2: <laughs> I haven't seen Teletubby since I was like
4: 15. That's a long time ago. Do you know what? They were yes. like, I do remember, like there was
3: a thing about them going around Twitter. And I remember seeing the, their creepy ass um, tummies with like their vax cards or something. Yes, they and have that's have vax okay. cards. Okay.
2: Yes, they got, oh, they got vaccinated. Crazy. And so now you can come out and play with them. Yeah, so if you so that- had
4: used the quote from John. You in the Vax you
2: That got video. Okay, I would have got right, that. Listen, that. Back that Vax Up 100%. Back that Up. And it was something like, what was it? It was like. that's <laughs> That Thing Up. Sorry. that's, back, that's That Thing back, Up. That Thing Up. There were some very key lines in that one. We should have used that one.
0: I know you can't stand it. No holding hands, chick. But when we get the shot, we gonna be romancing. Girl, you could be the queen the quarantine. We could meet up at the spot and we could do the thing. You're gonna be a
3: queen in the quarantine. It's a thing, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Juvenile redid Back that thing up And he did Vax that thing And it was pretty amazing uh-huh. And it- I did not know I needed that video Until I
4: saw that video It was, <laughs> I was so like, good yeah. Someone said
2: on Twitter That if this had come out earlier The whole pandemic Would have already been shut down mm-hmm. yeah, Already Already Kavitha won, so you get a prize. Your prize is yay! Yay, you <laughs> rice, Bragging rights, rights. So, you definitely, so great job. Um, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you.
3: Thank you for having me. Lovely to see you again, Tarika.
2: Likewise! <laughs> Thanks again to my guest, Tarika Foster Bradsby of ESPN and Kavitha Davidson of The Athletic. Coming up, I chat with Nita Manzor, creator of the TV show We Are Lady Parts, about an all-Muslim punk band. Let me tell you, it is so funny.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Get your quote at Progressive.com and see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary.
5: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Homes.com. When you're home shopping as a parent, you have lots of questions about local schools. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by a dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates.
2: A few weeks ago, I started watching a show that is not my usual cup of tea. It's about a punk band. This show is called We Are Lady Parts. It's about an all-woman Muslim band. It's not as hardcore as it seems on the outside. It spoke to me because it really shows the sisterhood of these five women who are dynamic and strong and funny as heck.
6: This is us, by us, for us.
2: The show also explores their relationships to faith and community and identity in a way I haven't seen before on TV. There are so many different ways of being a Muslim woman. That's Nita Manzoor, the creator of the show. She said it was important that all the characters were complex and sometimes in conflict.
6: You can disagree with other women, but you know it doesn't mean that you know any of these characters are, is having a crisis of faith. And that was just something I wanted to show, that complexity, that difference, which I sometimes find is often lost in our mainstream media in the kinds of TV and film I was seeing. I I wanted to see difference and and I wanted to see these women fight about it and that was just really exciting to me so it was definitely an important aspect of of the show
2: and so a part of that expression from the women was what they they wear one of the characters momtaz actually wears a niqab niqabs are are actually banned in some parts of europe how much did that play into your thinking when you were developing this character
6: yeah I have a brilliant costume designer, BC Williams, and we styled each of the characters thinking about who they are, where they come from, how they wear or not wear their headscarf, hijab, um, niqab. And, you know, with Momtaz, what was so exciting for me was that, like, you know, we came up with different kind of very personalized niqabs with we mm-hmm. have a, a navy blue one that's pleated and one that's kind of shimmery and again it sort of we wanted to show that she's got a sense of like punk and an edginess again i wanted to push back against this idea as you said in in some countries it's banned that like if you can't see a woman's full face that you can't possibly have get a sense of who she is. We don't really ever see her, but we definitely get to know her through her actions, through her eyes. And actually, you can get to know someone without always needing to see every inch of them, you know?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And we absolutely need to know her. Like, and and, and that, is, that is one of the parts of the writing that really stuck out to me because you never see that on TV. I I want to talk to you about the decision to, like, have, um, you know, Muslims in a punk band. There's sort of, like, a a, a tension there because there are parts of the Muslim community that consider that to be sinful. I I can relate to that. You know, I grew up in a very conservative black Pentecostal household Mm -hmm. um, where any worldly music was considered sin. And so was, like, women wearing pants. That was also a sin. (laughs) Um, So there is this tension between secular culture and being true to your faith, is that what you wanted to explore here?
6: Yeah, it's interesting that you you say that it's a tension, um, but also, I don't know your experience, but it's also, you know, being a... British Muslim or from, you know, Pakistani background or any kind of background, you have so many shades and aspects to your identity. You know, what I was Mm -hmm. really keen to show is that you can be into punk music and you can still be a Muslim because, you know, that's very much been my experience is that you have these different elements to who you are. And although oftentimes we're told that they're in contradiction, Us, when we experience them, when we live them, they aren't in contradiction. They can exist side by side without being at loggerheads. And that was something I was really, you know, really made my heart feel open when I was kind of writing it was that they weren't in conflict. They weren't angsting, you know, always about it. It was actually, uh, you know, the punk music was allowing them to express their frustration with the world and come together as a creative unit. That that you
2: can have both. Yeah, and I loved even though it, it it was considered sinful, I loved, you know, love music. And I even loved Tupac. That was, you know mm. and I loved the Lord. It was it all worked together. Um, yeah. <laughs> speaking of music, you wrote music for this show with your siblings. Yes. Do you have a favorite song from the show?
6: <laughs> oh, I I really love Voldemort Under my head scarf. Um Oh yeah. <laughs> I think no, I just like yeah. That. Oh, my God. I really love how the actors perform that. Yeah, I think I just really loved what they did with it.
2: So I, you you kind of touched on this a little bit or mm. this idea that some people, you know, when they look at Faith, there are different ways to look at it. And mm. there was some backlash around... Uh, When the pilot came out Mm -hmm. for the show about what it means to be a good or bad Muslim, and some Muslims felt like it was making fun of Muslims, did that backlash help shape the direction
6: of the show and what did you want it to say through the show? Yeah, you know... I was getting, you know, messages from Muslims who loved it and Muslims who were like, this doesn't represent me. And it was just, in a way, I found it really liberating because I realized, you know, that I couldn't write for everyone and I could only write from my point of view. And that, in a weird way, just really freed me to really kind of connect with the story I wanted to tell and part of the story is about this need sometimes to kind of not be too loud. And, you know, what I really wanted to show with these group of women is that they are, you know, unapologetic in their voice and they are kind of committed to what they have to say. And and I also wanted to show with Amina's character in particular that kind of struggle with wanting to be accepted, wanting to be liked and really kind of go into that because I think especially as as a woman, it's what kind of hangs over... I mean, certainly I felt it hangs over our head sometimes is like being kind of modest and appropriate, you know, this idea of mm-hmm, like who and who mm. gets to dictate what appropriateness is. Can it not be one thing for one person and something else for someone else? And that was really just something I find personally very interesting and I wanted to explore.
2: Thank you for taking time out. And like I, I meant it when I said I love the show.
6: I loved all Aww, of the characters. Thank yeah. you so much. That, that means a lot to me. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Thanks again to Nita Manzor, creator of We Are Lady Parts. The whole season is out now on Peacock. Now it's time to end the show the way we always do. It's time to end the show now we always do. Every week, listeners share the best thing that's happened to them.
1: Everything that, that everything happened to them.
2: We encourage them to brag, and they do.
1: It occurs down to I and day do.
2: Let's share a few of those things.
1: Let's share a few of those things. My name is Annalise. That's not true.
3: <laughs> Hi, Sam. This is Deidre from Denver. And the best thing to happen to me this week, in fact this year... Is happening right now. My parents who live in New Jersey are about to meet their 15-month-old granddaughter for the very first time. It's been wonderful and really hard to hear all the reunions on your show this past year, but
4: I knew we'd get ours and it's finally here. So they're
3: getting ready to walk in.
4: This is Sneha. I'm based in Boston and the best thing about my week has been that I took a whole week off from work and I got to spend a lot of time with some family here, including kids between the ages 8 to 16. We did a bunch of different activities over the week, watching some classic movies including Holes and the movie Legally Blonde with my 16-year-old cousin who had never seen it before.
3: The best thing that happened to me this week is watching as my daughter gave a presentation to her doctoral committee virtually. She began with
4: the memory of listening to NPR in the car with me. That was a proud mama moment. The best part of my week was returning to aerial class after a year and a half. I haven't taken a circus arts class since the pandemic began and I actually was able to still do a few moves. Hi Sam, this is Marianne in Carefree Arizona. The best part of my week was finding out from both my PET scan and brain MRI that I have no evidence of metastatic disease after getting a diagnosis of stage 4 metastatic melanoma two years ago. Love your show. Thanks for everything that you do. I really, really love the show. Have a great week.
5: Thank you.
2: Thanks to all the listeners you heard there. Deirdre, Sneha, Beverly, Monica, and Mariana. It was so good hearing all of your best things. Listeners, you can send your best thing to us at any time during the week. Just record yourself and send a voice memo to samsanders at npr.org. Also, we're working on a story about quitting. So many people in the last year are quitting their jobs or thinking of quitting. You may be thinking of quitting. You're fed up. You're done. You're putting in your two weeks notice. We want to hear from you. Why did you quit? What, if anything, did the pandemic have to do with it? And what do you want others to know who also might be thinking about quitting? Record yourself, maybe one to two minutes, and send a voice memo to Sanders at npr.org. This week, the show was produced by Janae West, Anjali Sastry, Andrea Gutierrez, and Liam McBain. Our intern is Manuela Lopez Restrepo. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson. Our big boss, the senior vice president of programming at NPR, is Anya Grunman. All right, till next time. I'm Aisha Roscoe, in for Sam Sanders. Talk soon. recording now. So last time we did this, it was a little rough. We're gonna do a better job this time? Okay. Okay. Hi, this is Reggie. And then Gabrielle, you go.
1: Hi, my name is Sally. Okay.
2: And my mom. The mic fell. Okay. Now. Can I say my name S- is Sally? No, your name is not Sally. Your name is Gabrielle.
1: My name is Annalise. That's not true.
5: <laughs> this message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5X miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Support for NPR and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas makes absurdly soft socks, underwear, and t-shirts. And for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Get 20% off your first purchase at Bombas.com slash NPR and use code NPR.